It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. It's time for another Smart Money Questions Podcast. Walter Storholt here with you alongside Matt Hausman, the founder of Old Security Group with an office in Westchester, PA, and Newark, Delaware, but serving clients all across the country. You can find us all the time on smartmoneyquestions.com. Read the blog, listen to the podcast, check out the videos there, all sorts of great resources for you to tap into. I'm Walter Storholt, joined by Matt Hausman as always. And Matt, it's great to talk to you once again. And this is exciting for both of us because you're excited about football. I'm excited about talking to you from my new studio. So it's just, you know. How nice is that? We have big smiles on our face, right? (laughs) That's right. Matt, actually, behind the scenes peak, has a new microphone as well. So he's really excited about that. He's living out his dream as a broadcaster, like a sports broadcaster. He's got one of those headset mics now with the little microphone in front of your mouth and just like you'd see the ESPN guys wearing and that kind of thing. And so you're giddy. It's like Christmas morning for you, isn't it? I'm telling you, man. I just love it. (laughs) That's great. Well, we've got a good podcast on the way today, Matt. We're going to be talking about how retirement planning a lot of the time You would think it's about the money. You would think it's about the dollars. But so many times we see that it's about more than just investments, than just those dollars and cents. I'm not talking about cents. And that is, you know, we have our piggy bank campaign, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to send it out to all the clients that voted back in November of last year of what charity we were going to be working with our piggy bank campaign this year. And it ended up being they actually chose from about five different ones and it ended up being Meals on Wheels. Very cool. Great organization. uh, It really is. And this is the second time. So the year before that, actually the two years before that, we worked with the Headstrong Foundation, which we actually met when Maggie was in the hospital. And we still donate some time to them every year. But the Meals on Wheels, Maggie and I just got done delivering. So one of the things we decided to do was not only just collect the money, but we're actually going to go out and participate in the Meals on Wheels. And this last Friday was a time for Maggie and I to go out and deliver. And I have to tell you, I just want to thank all the clients because it's just so uplifting to be able to, either when we're knocking on the door, or in some cases we have to open the door and actually take the meals in, to see the smiles on these people's face as us just stopping by and saying hi and bringing a hot Anna, where they actually get a hot and a cold meal. It's just so cool. And I think we were talking earlier about One of the gentlemen, when we walked in, he was already sitting at the kitchen table facing his TV, TV on. And so I just assumed he was, you know, watching TV. And I was like, would you like for me to, you know, put this in the kitchen or in the fridge? And he's like, oh, no, bring it right here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sitting here ready for you, man. (laughs) But it really has been, you know, I've been hearing, I listen to a lot of ESPN radio and Meals on Wheels has been doing a lot of advertising on that. And that's really where I got the idea after the clients had chose that for this year is let's actually go out and start delivering here locally. It's just really neat to be able to go out and experience that. We didn't plan any sort of connection between the Meals on Wheels and our topic today about retirement planning being more than just investments, but I actually do have a connection here. One of the things that my grandmother has always told me, I don't think she 
volunteers for Meals on Wheels anymore, but she did for many, many, many years. She was a driver and a regular driver. Every single week she had her route for Meals on Wheels as a volunteer for, I'm not exactly sure how long, but I think over a decade she helped volunteer with Meals on Wheels. I could be off on that number, but over in New Jersey is where her route was. And she would always talk about how, okay, sometimes it's about the food, but a lot of times it's about the visit and it's about the conversation. And like you kind of said right off the bat, just kind of how they would light up when you come into the room with the delivery. It's not so much just the food element of it, but getting to interact with people. And I think, did you experience that as well in your deliveries, that it was about more than just the food? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And this last time it was actually raining. And so there wasn't as much time to be able to maybe sit and have a quick chat. The first time we did it, it was a gorgeous day and we were out. And for many of the people, we were able you know, to say hi and have a little bit of a conversation before we got back on the route. And it is so cool. you know. And like you said, how much they light up when you walk in. See, I would never be able to be a Meals on Wheels driver because I would never complete the route with my chattiness. As Matt <laughs> knows full well, whenever we sit down to record these podcasts, they take a lot longer than it takes you to listen to them because we, we <laughs> chit-chat right. for probably longer than we actually record. So I've got a bad track record there. So I need to be given something where maybe I don't talk to folks for as long if I've got other tasks I need to knock out for sure. Well, So here's a way that you would know that you would stay on task is because when we went out the first time and we were trained for this route, the woman that was training us let us know they're expecting the food at a certain period of time. Like that guy sitting at his table, he was ready. Exactly. Exactly right. So, and I never knew this with Meals on Wheels is that the meals are actually a donation in and of itself. So there's different facilities, like in this particular case, Westchester, that it's their money and their labor producing the meals that we're taking out. So it's not a situation where Meals on Wheels is actually paying for it. Actually, the facility, in this particular case, it's the Westtown School. Their kitchen and the help there, they're producing it everything right out of their kitchen, and we're picking it up there and then taking it out. So the food is actually donated and the labor to do that. Yeah, is, the packing uh, is donated and all as well. Of that. Yeah, the prep. It, yep. it volunteers all through the process. Pretty neat. Exactly. Yep. And we actually have a client that's down in Delaware that answers all the phones for the executive director of Delaware. And in addition to the Meals on Wheels down there, it's also coordinated with like a senior activity center. So she's seeing them constantly, all the different people that are coming through there, plus talking to the people that are, they might be calling and say, hey, listen, I'm not going to be around this week or what have you. So, And she loves it. She absolutely loves it. Well, that's awesome. Glad to hear that you guys are able to participate in that event, both physically and monetarily this year. So that's great being able to kind of volunteer in multiple ways and angles and the clients get to be a part of that process. Very, very cool. Well, let's jump into the topic for today, Matt. We talked about it a little bit, retirement planning. How about it being more than just investments? And, you know, I think you need an advisor to help you kind of navigate lots of these areas. And it's a good question to ask yourself as we go through these. If you're working with another advisor, are they helping you in these other elements? Or is it about just the investments when you have conversations with that advisor? A good question to certainly ponder. Let's talk about a couple of these different examples, Matt. I think one that we should definitely bring up is social security. It's not really an investment, right? It's a vehicle. It's another element of our financial plan, but it's not about just picking the right stock or mutual fund. 
<laughs> it's funny you say Social Security is not an investment. I think many of us think it is because we've been paying in, right? I, At least that's what I, that's I what guess I so. a lot. Yeah, maybe that's a generational <laughs> difference because I've been told so many times I'm never going to see that money. But um, maybe the prior generation certainly had that expectation. <laughs> well, the thing about Social Security, and I, you know, I had someone in my office just last night, and she's working with another advisor. And the idea of the different strategies that you can put in place and also what you're eligible for. In this particular case, she was eligible for a divorced spouse benefit, yet she called Social Security three times, got incorrect information three times. She went to her advisor. Her advisor said, you're not eligible for that. She comes in, she talks to me, and I'm like, you're absolutely eligible for this, but this is how you have to ask for it, and you need to go into Social Security to do it. Sure enough, she was like, you were right. So I called into Social Security, got it wrong. The advisor didn't know and just decided to say, you're not eligible for it. I guess maybe so didn't have to look into it. But she goes, there's no reason I shouldn't take this, right? I said, absolutely not. You should absolutely take it. It's found money. And it's understanding where Social Security is going to fit into your plan, when to start taking it. Like in this particular case, handling and understanding the spousal options or the ex-spousal options. And then, of course, One of the biggest things I talk about with Social Security is understanding how can Social Security, if at all, be a tax strategy for you and how does that fit in completely? And, you know, we read the reports and the listeners and the clients, you can think of your own situation. How much of the Social Security are you depending on for your overall income? What's the percentage? And in many cases, it can be pretty high. You know, 40, 50 percent. I think statistically IRS says that it's 41 percent of everyone receiving, that's how much it is responsible for their income. So it's a big number. And so understanding your options would be just as important as, if not more important, as to where you are investing your money. So many different little moving parts when it comes to Social Security. That's why it's about more than just investments when it comes to retirement planning. But that's just one example. We have others to give you on today's show as well. Pensions would kind of be in that similar vein to Social Security. It's not just about how much money there's going to be from a pension or what that pension's doing in terms of, you know, its investment structure and all that kind of stuff. But you've got lots of different options for how to structure those payouts. And that's something you should be getting assistance with from your advisor. Absolutely. You know, every pension is going to be a little different. And one of the things that we've really seen over the course of the last five, six years is this lump sum buyout option. And you really need to analyze that. First of all, see if they're giving you a good buyout amount versus just taking the monthly benefit. And if you are going to take the monthly benefit, then you want to look at what are the different options. And if you're married, you know, including the spouse or having that second life covered with that pension is extremely important, but you also want to understand how much, if at all, am I going to lose monthly in doing that? And that's where we, we assist clients in looking at those options, understanding them and tax ramifications, understanding, you know, what's going to be the most efficient way from a tax perspective on the election of the pension, whether it's a full buyout or actually taking the monthly. And just like Social Security, whenever I do Social Security workshops, I always ask for those of you that have a pension, you know, raise your hand. First of all, if you have one, feel extremely fortunate because they've been gone for about 30 years. You know, for instance, Walter, you and I, no one's offering us that pension unless you're working for the federal government. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I was really surprised that my wife, Connie, has a pension. But she's working for Duke University Hospital. And so, you know, she's got pretty good benefits through an organization like that. But, yeah, more and more rare for sure. 
Yeah, and in many cases, the companies are getting out or they froze pensions years and years ago. And so they want to get out of that because I just had a client in right before we were recording. His aunt just died at 103. Wow, 103. (laughs) 103, she worked for the state of New Jersey and she got social security and he's like, yeah, they lost out on her. Right. And that's the way many of the pension plans, they recognize longevity and it wasn't built into how their pension plan was structured. So they're offering these lump sum buyouts, but you really have to analyze, are they giving you a good option? Yeah, that's a really good point. So, so many different little moving parts, just like Social Security, get involved into that pension consideration as well, Matt. And I know that's a conversation, both of those things that you're probably having with every single person who walks in the door. Some of those conversations, I guess, when it comes to pensions ends pretty quickly if the answer is, no, I don't have one. But if people do, that becomes a really big part of the overall planning process for you. Oh, absolutely. You know, once again, and I don't think I said this earlier, if you have a pension, raise your hand. How long are you expecting that to pay out? Well, the idea is, you know, forever. So security is exactly the same way. So when you start doing retirement income planning, understanding where your income sources are and the expectation on how long they're going to be paying out is extremely important. All right, let's throw this one into the mix then, Matt. Rental properties doesn't really seem to fall into the purview of, you know, what stock or mutual fund should I pick that a you know, broker might be giving advice on. So how often are you helping people, you know, kind of guide through that decision-making process that, you know, is related to having rental properties as a part of a portfolio? Interestingly enough, we probably have 30, 35% of our clients have rental properties. And it's not just the people that went to go see that workshop on a Saturday afternoon at the Hilton next to the airport (laughs) and thought they were going to (laughs) be real estate millionaires. What was his name? Carlton Sheets, right? But probably about 30, 35%. I still hear those commercials all the time uh, of a similar similar vein. You know what I mean? I actually, I think the new one is Than Merrill. Not new. I think he's been around for about 10 years. He used to be on, what's the one? HGTV. He used to have his own show on there, but he, he still has it. But you know, the clients we have, you know, 30, 35%, they got one, two, or three. I've got a good number of clients that are actually in the rental business and, you know, 15, 20, 30 properties. And understanding where the rental property is going to fit into your overall retirement process is extremely important, especially understanding the tax implications that happen, not only for the rental income you're taking in, But also, if part of your plan was to begin liquidating those real estate properties, I've talked about this a couple times. We had a client about three, four years ago had four commercial properties, and part of his plan was to liquidate. So we were wanting to stage those liquidations because there's going to be a tax hit. We're going to have a capital gain and a repayment of the depreciation he's been taking for years. And so we were trying to stagger them over a different tax year for each one. Unfortunately, one fell into the next year because the closing got pushed at the end of the year to the following year. And and recognizing that tax hit was pretty big. It had multiple implications. Not only did he have to pay the tax, but then it increased his Medicare and increased it for a full year. And so understanding how that rental property is going to fit into your overall plan is extremely important. And my advice is that the advisor you're working with should understand that and where is it going to fit in and be able to assist because that can also adjust with where you're investing your money, right? If rental income is a big part of your income need, then 
the idea could be maybe with my investments, I could take on a little bit more risk. Like one of the clients, when we sit down, we know that his rental occupancy rate always is above 75%, which is great. He's got a 10-year track record of that. I mean, we can realistically really plan for that income to be coming in on a very consistent basis. We don't want to put it up there with pensions or Social Security, but it's pretty doggone close. In his particular case, he has no interest in ever liquidating for a couple different reasons. And here's one of the main reasons is, first of all, he recognizes that in the event he sells, he's going to have that tax obligation. He will. But if he just takes the rental income and he keeps depreciating, when his heirs inherit it, they were not going to owe any tax because of what's called the step up in basis. So he still gets to enjoy the income and they get, they're going to want to liquidate. They have no interest in owning them, but they're going to be able to liquidate at a no tax cost. So we're looking at not only while he's alive, but we're also planning for his heirs. So again, it's more than just investments in mutual funds, stocks, bonds, that kind of stuff. Another great example of it, Matt, and that's, again, dealing with rental properties. And, you know, while we're on the subject, I suppose, of properties, we have other home-related issues to consider as well, where it becomes a conversation that's more than just investments. So it doesn't have to just be folks who are in the rental properties. You said, what, a third of people kind of falling into that umbrella for you. But beyond that, everybody's got some sort of home-related issue that they're dealing with. Yeah, whether it's, you know, downsizing, relocating, reverse mortgages because they're watching too much daytime TV with Henry Winkler and Robert Wagner selling those, you know, where, where do those come in? And then home equity lines of credit. You know, one of the things I always talk to clients about is your home is an asset. You want to be able to use it. The best way to do that is a home equity line and you don't have to use it. It's when you need money. That's the one place you can go that doesn't affect the tax man. And especially if a lot of your money is an IRA, but the one thing about downsizing and we've actually We've seen some clients do that over the course of this last year, probably about four, is when you downsize, first of all, are you going to need to take a mortgage out at the new location? Interestingly enough, especially around here outside of Philly, the downsizing is costing more than the original house <laughs> for a smaller location. Hmm. How crazy is that? So the idea is, how? what are we going to do for that? I saw an article recently that talked similarly in a similar vein. It said downsizing is not really downsizing anymore financially. You might be downsizing in physical space, but financially downsizing doesn't really apply anymore. That's exactly right. And we've had that happen a couple of times. We had one client earlier this year that, as a matter of fact, they didn't downsize. They relocated, but they moved out of state. And so they didn't necessarily recognize that increase in cost that we're seeing around here in PA. And so it's understanding if there's going to be a shortage from when you're selling your bigger home and you're going into the downsizing, how are you going to address that? How is that going to fit into your overall plan? And I'll just say this with the reverse mortgages. If anyone is thinking about that, please call. Please do a lot of investigating. It can work well in very specific situations. But other than that, usually I would recommend against it. It's a very expensive proposition. It's really not a front-end strategy, rather more of a backup plan. Is that a good way to look at it? Yeah, it's like plan D. Okay. <laughs> or, or lower, depending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, B, C, and then D, you know, so yeah. it's, uh, it's definitely something that, I mean, don't get me wrong, most of the time the calls I get are from clients and they're, it's for their parents. And does that make sense? And I think in the last eight years, I've only recommended it one time. Okay. So it really is way down the list. 
helpful to get that perspective of just how frequent you're kind of dipping into that plan D. So that's good news. Two other items I want to make sure we cover on the podcast today, Matt, when we're talking about, you know, how retirement planning is more than just investments would be health questions. That should totally be part of the conversation when you're meeting with your advisor. But I would be willing to bet that a lot of folks don't have those conversations with the person they're working with, whether it be a broker or, or another financial advisor. Well, and the healthcare, especially pre-65, is such an important part of your planning in the event you don't have or you're not working. You got, you know, took an early retirement package. You don't have retiree healthcare benefits. Is how are the new health insurance laws and rules and premiums going to fit into your plan? And then once you're 65, then you're dealing with Medicare and the different things that go on there. And then, of course, the one thing that nobody ever wants to talk about is any type of long-term care help or assistance, whether it's either at your home or in assisted living or full-blown skilled care. But the reality is, because most of the time I hear, listen, I'm just going to take a pill or my wife's going to take me out back with the gun. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's really going to happen. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Let's be realistic. But it is something that hopefully in the planning process, if it's feasible, because in some cases it can be costly, just to cover that expense is you still have to recognize it because it is the one expense that can essentially wipe out a large portion of everything we were just talking about, Social Security, pensions, if you got rental properties. You know, they say around our area, the average nursing home is about $9,600 a month. That's a big bill. It's a big bill. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, you know, it is something that at a minimum should be reviewed. And you understand in the event something does happen and you haven't prepared for it, what it's going to look like. Healthcare, another big part of the equation. Make sure you're talking about it. All right. Last but not least, let's end it on a fun, positive note. And that would be lifestyle. What kind of lifestyle are you going to have in retirement? This really shouldn't be an afterthought. Maybe we should have put this one at the beginning of the podcast. It's that debate of should we put it at the end where we can, you know, really kind of tie everything up in a nice bow or because it's really important, we should throw it right at the very beginning. But the rest of the plan really kind of falls in line with what you're trying to achieve from a lifestyle perspective, doesn't it? Well, and absolutely. And in the planning process, if you've done all of the other things in a correct order, then coming up with the lifestyle that you're wanting should hopefully happen. You know, I always tell everyone when they say, well, how much do I need to retire? And it's always different for everybody. And the first thing I say, well, have you sat down and do you know how much money you're going to need to live on? You've heard me say this numerous times. I categorize it in two ways. The first one is keep the lights on. The second one is lifestyle. And what we know is the lifestyle number usually is the largest in the first five to seven years of retirement because we are checking off the bucket list. And then the lifestyle numbers kind of slow down. But, you know, understanding your spending habits. I remember, and I'm sure I've said this before, speaking with a couple about travel. And everyone says, I want to travel. And my comment back was, well, are we traveling to Europe or Mississippi? Nothing against Mississippi, but it's a different cost, right? And if we're going to Europe or South America or on an African safari, how often are we doing it? Is it once every three years? Is it every year? And being able to understand how that's going to fit in and the income streams we have and the other financial assets we have or resources we have to make that lifestyle happen. Because, you know, we we all want to be those retirement pictures that we see from all of the financial 
houses, you know, from Wall Street to here is the couple walking down with the champagne and the glasses on the beach and the sun is shining and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. We all want to be able to, to do that. But the other thing is, with regards to lifestyle, one of the things I think is really important is to define what you think that looks like. And, you know, I was talking with a client, I don't know, about six, seven months ago. It was our annual review. We're going over different things. And what are you looking to do? And their comment was, well, what do you think? And I said, you guys need to start spending the money. Let's start draining some of these accounts. They're not going to run out of money. We've already done that equation. They've been with us about five years now. And I said, but guys, you know, time's not stopping. Let's get out. I said, but let's don't just take it out to put it in a savings account. Let's take it out so you guys enjoy it. And interestingly enough, took them about six months. They defined what they wanted to do. And now we're in the process of implementing that new lifestyle that they've created. And they've been retired for like three years, you know. And so that's the other thing is that your lifestyle can change and you're looking to do different things. But taking the time to sit down and I really think explore and define what it is you're wanting is a big process in the overall retirement planning. Again, it does have something to do with finances, but it's also more than that, you know. The different activities that you want to be involved in, physical activities, you know, staying healthy, all that kind of stuff is incorporated into that lifestyle. And I think being able to define it is extremely important. All of these things are so important to make sure they're covered in the planning process. And so if you have an advisor that you're working with who's not covering all of these details, where are you getting that advice? Where are you getting that guidance from? And should it be coming from your financial advisor? I think we make strong arguments on today's show is why that should be the case. And so if you want to learn a little bit more about what it's like to work with Matt Hausman and the team at Old Security Group, I invite you to give them a call if you want to do that the old-fashioned way. It's a 610 area code 719-3003, 610-719-3003. Or you can go online to smartmoneyquestions.com. You can submit questions to Matt there from the website. You can listen to past podcasts, you know, other episodes where we cover some of the things we talked about today in more detail, social security, pensions, home stuff, rental properties, lifestyle conversations. We go into a lot of detail on those on other episodes. If you want to dive in a little bit deeper, that's smartmoneyquestions.com. Go ahead, Matt. Walter, let let me jump in. So I just want to make sure I get this out there because my clients hear me say this all the time. For the clients that are listening, I hope that you understand you can call us about anything. It can not even be anything that we just talked about. Anything and everything, we want our clients to know that we want to be the resource for you to call. And we might not have the answers, but we will research and find the answers or the experts that can assist you in whatever it is that you're wanting or looking to accomplish. It could be questions like, are the Eagles going to repeat in the Super Bowl this year? I got many clients that are banking on that, let me tell you. (laughs) Well, let's end it there. What do you think? Since we're recording this actually on, uh, we can be transparent on this, Matt, we're recording today's podcast. I don't know when you're listening to it, but we are recording it on opening day of the football season. Eagles and Falcons will play shortly. Matt's hurrying me to get off the air so he can go watch the game <laughs> to open up the season. I think they'll repeat they'll this. they'll be putting up that Super Bowl there banner. There you go. There you go. Are they going to do it again this year? Can they do that ever difficult repeat? You know, I actually was listening to sports radio on the way in today, and the NFC, last year, there was a repeat of the AFC East, West, North, and South. The NFC hasn't had that for like eight years where there's been a repeat. So, you know, if we look statistically, is one due? I think everyone's waiting for Carson to come back 
not that we don't love Foles. Obviously, he was the Super Bowl MVP, and he actually got us there after Carson went down. But there are there's a lot of returners coming back, starters coming back. And so I think there's a good opportunity. But, you know, the Giants got better. You never know mm-hmm. what, what, what's happening with the Cowboys. But the Giants, I think, are poised to do pretty well. As, so the NFC East is going to be tough. A lot of it's teams be, did uh, get better. You're right. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know if you saw... You know Saquon Barkley's first run. Oh yeah, as a giant, he's going to be man, a stud. You, you recognize why he went high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no kidding. So it's going to be fun to watch and see what the Eagles can do this year. And I'll tell you this: most teams after those Super Bowls get pretty depleted, and it looks like the Eagles were able to keep a lot of pieces intact, which is a very good sign. Yep. Well, good luck to the Eagles throughout the season and enjoy the game tonight, Matt. We appreciate you joining us here on Smart Money Questions as always. One more time, if you want to check out more information, go to smartmoneyquestions.com. Lots of great resources for you on the website if you've got questions about what we talked about today. Remember, final thought today, retirement planning, it is indeed more than just investments. For Matt, I'm Walter. We'll talk to you next time on Smart Money Questions, the podcast. 